0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. We sang about this is how we fight our battles. The Old Testament of all the tribes that went in front of the armies before battle was the tribe of Judah, the tribe of worship and praise. The Bible says that Jesus came as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus came as a roaring worship when He came into this world. So when we fight our battles, we don't run. We come with a roaring, roaring Jesus in front of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you this morning. Please be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. Hallelujah. We have families on the road on vacation. We have families that are sick. Bishop and Ivana are feeling under the weather. We want to pray for them. We want to pray for those that are traveling and on vacation. And uh, it's just good to see you here today. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalm 23. Psalm 23. One most of you can probably quote. Psalm 23. We're going to read one verse out of Psalm 23. Verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Let me read that again. Thou preparest a table before me. Before me in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about the enemy at your table. The enemy at your table. The kingdom of God in Matthew 22 is described as a feast, as a banquet. And often that's what you see described as the kingdom, a banquet, a feast. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like. Sort of like a party. Have you ever thought about the kingdom? And listen, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's peach righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is what we enjoy today. And the kingdom of God is like a feast. It's like a banquet. Some of us look at the kingdom as a struggle and a hard thing to get through and we got to maintain. But the, the kingdom is intended to be a banquet. A place where God sets a table for His people. It's a feast with awesome food. Listen, this kingdom is a kingdom that has a feast that has some awesome food in it. You ever been to those places, and man, the food was horrible? You went in, and you started eating, and you're like, oh, I'm dumping that in the trash, and man, this, was, this wasn't a good buffet. But ever you been to those places, those, when the banquet was like, man, I wish we could do this again next week. That's what the kingdom is like. It's a banquet full of great food, great drinks, and lots of celebration. You know what? We're supposed to be celebrating in this kingdom. We're supposed to be such banquet. This is a banquet. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. First of all, that makes no sense until I begin to study this. Jesus describes this kingdom in a great way. The problem in many Christians is they sit around the table with a suspicion that I'm really not supposed to be here. You ever been to one of those places? You ever crashed a... (laughs) Y'all didn't do that kind of stuff, did you? You ever crashed a party where you weren't invited, but you went there anyway? And you walk around wondering, who's going to find me out? Who's going to realize I'm not part of the guests? I'm not supposed to be here? A lot of times people sit at the table of God, they sit at the banquet of God, but they had this suspicion that they're not really supposed to be there. I, I'm not really, I wasn't invited. I, I'm not really worthy. If Jesus finds out I'm here, if he finds out I snuck in, if he finds out I'm at where I'm not supposed to be, they're going to usher me out. David's psalm puts a finger on why people think this way. Because there's a lot of people that sit in church today that don't really feel like they belong there. They don't feel like they belong in the happiness and the joy and the celebration of God because they had a past, because they have a present, and they're not sure about their future. But David's psalm puts a finger on it, why you feel this way. One of the reasons why uh, this I love this psalm so much is that I relate to this psalm quite a bit. It has a lot of highs in it. And it has a lot of lows in it. You ever just really stopped and read Psalm 23? There's some high places, but there's also some low places. There are things in my life, places in my life that are high. There are things in my life that are, so I can really relate to this. David is saying, I know how you feel when you're sitting at the banquet table and you don't feel like you belong. I know how you feel. I know why you look around and you feel like you don't deserve to be here at this table. He says, the, here's what he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The literal Hebrew writing here, he brings me back when I run away. That's the literal writing. We say he restores my soul. The original Hebrew says he brings me back when I run away. We feel good about His abundance of love, but then we walk through some valleys. Yea, though I walk through the valley, all of a sudden we were in green pastures and beside still waters. But now He's brought us back when we ran away. But now I'm in this valley of the, you know, the valley of the shadow of death was actually a place. It was actually a valley called the shadow of death. It's where all the crooks and robbers hang out, and that when people would be passing through, going from city to city, and they would pass through there. It was a valley they would try to hurry their way through. Because they were afraid they were going to get robbed or beaten or worse, killed. The valley of the shadow of death. But David said this, even though I walk through that valley, the Lord is with me. And how is He with me? His rod and His staff, they comfort me there. There's the rod and the staff. There's that protection and that comfort and that discipline and that correction. All of those things. I don't fear evil because God is working in my valley. Understand something when you're going through those places, God is always working in your valley. He's always there with his rod. He's always there with his staff. Then David says this. This is the scripture that really kind of threw me off. Till I will prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now we're supposed to be at a banquet, a celebration. This is a place where we're reveling in God's things and all that God's done for us. And you know, sometimes I, I just want to say to God, really. Do my enemies really have to be at this banquet? You ever feel that way? God, things are going good. Do my enemies really have to show up? God, you've done great things to me. Do my enemies, couldn't you just wipe them out? Wouldn't it be great if we just wiped out our enemies? Just get rid of them? Listen, understand this. God has defeated your enemies. He has already defeated. You're sitting at His table. You're His child. He's already defeated. But let me tell you something. He hadn't destroyed them all yet. He hadn't destroyed your enemies. He's just defeated them. There's a reason. It's so they can show up at the banquet. It's so your enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Who in here feels struggle today? You feel struggling. Who in here is who's free from pain? Who's free from doubt, fear, and worry? All those are your enemies. See, we, we want to put enemies as people spirits the devil yeah is the devil our enemy sure he is the world is people are not that's people are not your enemy your enemy is all the doubts and the fears and the unbeliefs and the strife and the struggle and the worry that's the that's the real enemy of your soul and i still struggle with them they still show up at my table that God has put before me. God. Listen, God has, in His kingdom, if you're in His kingdom today, and you should be as a Christian, He has prepared a table before you right now. But understand this, He did it, and He invited your enemies. Come on in. Come on and see this. In fact, it's God who is preparing a table for you right in the very presence of your enemies. Not only is He preparing that table for you and all that's going on in the kingdom right now in your life, He wants your enemies to see it. In front of fear, in front of doubt, in front of worry, in front of pain, God is a great host, isn't He? God puts on the best show, doesn't He? God puts out the best meal. He puts the best things out. He sets a banquet feast for us every single day. He prepares a table before you. Every single day. It's celebration time. Every Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we don't feel like celebrating, do we? You know why? Doubt, fear, unbelief. All the enemy that was invited to see this, you're busy looking at the enemy instead of feasting at the table. Quite often we miss the blessing of God because the table he's put before us, we don't pull up. We sit back. You ever... Seen that kid that, you know, broccoli, pushes his chair back, not about to touch that green stuff. Not eating that. One of the best things for you, not eating it. And a lot of times we do that with God when he sets the table for us in the day. We've got our eyes so much on our enemy that we miss what he's prepared for us in the day. And you know who's president all the time in your day? Your enemies. Every day, all day long. God has defeated them. He has not destroyed them yet. He will ultimately destroy every enemy you have. But right now, He wants to do something with them. All throughout Scripture, the idea of a table or a meal is a picture of joy, of celebration. It's celebration time. Quite often we have celebration time like on Pentecost Sunday we'll celebrate. Because After all, we're kind of Pentecostal and Pentecostals do that thing, you know. No? No? The Jews were the best at celebration. Holidays weren't a day. They were a week or ten days. Feasts weren't a day. They weren't days. They were a week and ten days. They have had this feast and that feast. And let's have a feast because we have feasts. And let's feast because we're feasting. And they just, because they wanted to celebrate and enjoy. Why is that? Because God brought that into their life. They understood what that meant when they celebrated in feasts. And that's what often you look in the Scripture, you see this, This is the picture that David is painting for us when he says, you you prepare this table before me. God, today you have set me up for a celebration. You've set me up for a feast. It's festival time. It's joy time. It's goodness time. It's victory time. Pastor, why don't I feel like that in the morning? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. Because we ought to wake up every day with the joy of the Lord in our heart. Oh, but that's pastor talking. No, that's Bible. We ought to wake up every day with the joy of the Lord in our heart because you ain't going to have no strength in the day if you don't have the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't wake up with the joy of the Lord, train yourself. I could, there's things that I do for me personally in the morning that I can be totally knocked out, but I can still get up and do them. I've trained myself to do certain things a certain way for 64 years now. What if I trained myself to wake up every day in the joy of the Lord? Realizing He set a table before me. Realizing that today, God wants me to celebrate. He wants me to be joyous. But you know what? Most of the time, the enemy shows up, and he's watching at the table. Understand, the enemy doesn't slide up to the table. He prepares a table for you in the presence of his enemies. The enemies are all standing around, and they're walking around, and they're looking around, but they don't get to pull up to the table. Unless you let them. If you invite them up, fear, pull up to the table with me. Doubt, come on up here. Worry, sit down and have... if you, don't, if you don't allow that, what you've got is joy. And celebration. That's the reason why some of us can't be joyous in our worship for God, can't be joyous in our living for God. We can't, it's hard to live in the week it's Sunday to Sunday or Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday to Wednesday, and it's hard all throughout. The reason is we haven't learned to sit at the table and keep our enemies at bay. you know who invited the enemy? Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. God said, come on in, fear. Watch this. Come on in, doubt. Watch this. Come on in, unbelief. Come watch what. Look, the table that my child has pulled up to. Watch this. We would love for our enemies to be completely wiped out, wouldn't we? Wouldn't you love it if you had no more fear? If you never heard from fear again? If doubt never showed up? If worry never? never came into your life again. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Man, God, I could really celebrate if you would get rid of those things for me. God, I could really... Man, this could be a banquet of banquets. But God prepared a table for you in the presence, not in the absence of your enemies. Why did He do that? Maybe we need to get busy celebrating our grace in front of our enemies. The group I just came from, When I went to Bible college, I accidentally used the word grace in a class. And you might as well have cursed. Because to them, grace was the license and freedom to do whatever you want at the expense of God. That's how they saw it. So they didn't want to talk about grace. That was that group. They talk about grace. They believe in grace. You understand something? Grace is not a license. Grace is not a thing. Grace is the essence of God that He gave you the ability to do something. By grace are you saved through faith. Grace doesn't save you. Grace is given to everybody in the world. God gave everybody in the world a measure of opportunity through faith to find Him. Grace is to everybody, not just the Christian. But in some places, grace is the measure. Grace is not the measure. If that's the case, everybody's saved. It's faith that's the measure. Faith, that's the measure. But understand something. Maybe we need to start celebrating in some grace, understanding that, you know what? I don't belong at this table. That doesn't matter. I'm not worthy to be at this table. That doesn't matter. You know—that None of that matters that I, he prepared a table before me. I didn't have to do anything to show up here. He prepared it for me, and he wants me to sit down and enjoy it. He wants me to celebrate. He wants me to have a joy in life. He wants me to. Boy, there's a drudgery in Christianity that's just unbelievable sometimes. Oh, I got a Wednesday night, come on, Pastor. Man, you know, three hours on Sundays is enough. There's 168 hours in the week, and you're asking me for three, and now you want one more on Wednesday? You want four out of me? I got another 164 to do what? Let me tell you something, a third of that you're sleeping. A third of your life, a third of your week, on average, the average American sleeps eight hours a night. That's a third of the day. So a third of 168 hours, you're just asleep. And we, we cry and we moan and groan because on Saturday we want to have a prayer meeting. On Saturday we want to have a, a woman's meeting and talk Bible. We want to have Wednesday night. Man, if, if y'all showed up on Wednesday night, I'd walk out. I would think I did something wrong. This isn't, listen, I'm not trying to berate you. Understand something. You're missing out on a table. You're missing out on some joy and some celebration. Not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ. When you come on Wednesday, we're talking word. And and listen, do we all like the same pie? Mm Mm-mm. Do we all like the same steak? Mm Mm-mm. Do we all eat the potatoes? Mm Mm-mm. We have different thoughts and processes, don't we, on Wednesday night. But you know what? We still celebrate. It's still a celebration. I've been to a banquet where there's things I didn't touch. But, man, the thing that I knew I really liked, yeah, I would embarrass my family. You know, just keep piling it up and keep piling it up. And yeah, you know, that's how we're supposed to celebrate. Enjoy what God set before us. Enjoy some grace. Enjoy some grace. Enjoy it. Jesus tells three parables in Luke 15. One is about a woman who loses a coin. She searches all night long to find one single coin. Man, I've dropped coins in my house they are still in the same place. I'm sure my wife knows where they're at. She knows where everything is. If I need to find it, I just ask her. When she finds this one single coin, what does she do? She celebrates. The second is about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, and one was lost. He goes out. He finds it. He brings it back and celebrates because he is excited that he found one sheep out of a hundred. What does he do? He celebrates. The third is about a father who loses a son. And when the son comes home, what does he do? He celebrate, Kill the fatted calf. Bring out the ring in the row. He, the party's on, dude. He's back. And then you got the brother that's been there the whole time. Now Lord, I didn't run off like he did. Lord, I've been a good servant. Lord, I stayed in your house when my brother ran away. Lord, why does he get all this and I get nothing? See, that son hadn't been celebrating a whole time his brother was lost. He hadn't celebrated a thing cuz he was looking at his brother. Uh-oh. Many of us lose a celebration because we're busy looking at everybody else. Why doesn't she? Why doesn't he? What's that about? Can you believe that? Can, can, can I tell you what she said? Do you know what he did? And, you know, why doesn't he? And, you know, I'm here all the time. Why They never show. Never get to celebrate because we're too busy about the brother. And then when the brother shows up, guess who the celebration's for? Oh, Yeah. And the father just turns to the son and said, didn't you realize you could have been celebrating this whole time? You could have had the fatted calf every day, the ring every day, the coat every day. I would have celebrated with you and had a joyous time with you. We miss out, church, on celebrating every day when we don't keep our eyes on the Lord, when we're looking at other things and other, other people. But when he comes back, man, the party is on. We were all once lost and were found, right? Every one of us here was lost at one point, but we were found. And the Lord wants to celebrate that one thing. The very one thing he wants to celebrate with you every day is you were lost and he found you. No, you didn't find Jesus. I found Jesus on July the 7th of 1975. No, you didn't find Jesus that day. He found you. You weren't looking for Jesus. Oh, yes, I was. I was in jail. And I was in, Lord, if you'll get me out of here, I'll serve you. You weren't looking for Jesus. You were looking to get out of jail. When Jesus found you, He called you. And when He called you, you answered the call. And guess what? The celebration started. You understand the day that you became a Christian started a celebration in heaven? The Bible says the angels celebrate when one person comes to repentance. Now, I don't know about you, but on a daily basis, Pastor Don has some repentance in his life. Things I need to turn around in my life. And every time that happens, oh, but you that's talking about when somebody's saved. It didn't say that. It didn't say they were born again. It didn't say anything but that they found repentance. There's more to being born again than Repentance. But when a person just repents, man, the party's on in heaven. And he wants you to join the party. When you're born again, guess what? Now in comes the fatted calf. Now comes the ring. Now comes now you thought the party was big. Wait till like David said. You thought I was crazy woman? Wait till tomorrow. When I'm worshiping tomorrow, watch this. And oh by the way, you're not having any new kids, you know. There's more to that story than you know. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is likened unto. He's expressing to you what the kingdom in your life should be. It should be a celebration kingdom. A celebration of being lost and found. A victory over enemy. And a table set before you. Your enemies are invited so you can rejoice in their presence. You know why your enemies come to see you at your table God's invited them. Why? He wants you in He wants fear to see that, you know what? I'm at the Lord's table. I fear no evil. There's no fear. Perfect love casteth out all fear. Fear, do you see that? Do you see this? And fear standing back at the table going, and worry and doubt and unbelief, all those things. The reason He sets that table up with them there is so that you can see that they see. See, a lot of times we don't understand that things in our life have been taken out of our life and not destroyed for a reason. You know why you have a memory? Wouldn't it make sense that if you had a memory of doing evil, that God would erase that and eliminate that? Because do you ever try to forget it? You know, there's things in my past I try to forget. Lo and behold, at some table somewhere, that shows up again, comes up to the table and says, What's going on here at the table? You're celebrating. Why are you? Well, you don't belong here. You remember when you did what I am? Uh, listen, that dude's going to show up until I see Jesus. I understand that fear is going to show up till I see Jesus. Improper living is going to show up till I see Jesus. That doesn't mean I have to run with them. That means I'm going to sit at the table and they can watch who I'm running with now. They can watch who I'm running with now. I'm running with Jesus. This table is a different table. Listen, fear, doubt, unbelief. Uh, unruly, living, all those things, just understand, you're here to view now. We're celebrating. We're celebrating. Have you learned how to confront your enemies? Have you learned how to confront your enemies? See, we think of enemies as uh, this nation over there, that group of people over there, this person over here. People aren't your enemies. Have you learned how to confront your enemies? Because we all have them. Have you learned how to confront sin? Have you learned how to confront anger? I know some people that like men, their fuse is like, all you've got to get is a match close to it. <laughs> Off they go. They're mad and angry and cursing and carrying on, and the next week they want to be teaching Sunday school. That's no, that's no lie. <laughs> the, you know, anger Anger is very detrimental to you The Bible says you can be angry But sin not The problem with us Is we don't learn how to We don't learn how to confront anger And so in our anger we sin We can be angry And sin not But we got to learn how to confront them do you, have, do you know how to confront fear What does the world tell you how to confront fear What does psychologists If you want to confront a fear What do you do if you've got a fear of heights, how do you confront it? You stay away from a tall building? That's not what they tell you. If you've got, you got a fear of snakes, what do you do? You stay away from any reptile owls? That's not what they tell you. What do they t- how do you confront your fear? Face it head on. And what you find out is your fear wasn't near as big and bad as you thought it was. Your fear wasn't near as powerful as you thought it was. As much as I hate snakes. You know, you face your fear. Have you learned how to face your enemies? Have you learned how to confront them? See, we try to avoid sin, don't we? Well, most of us. But some of us, are, we don't try to avoid it. We just, but as a, as a Christian, we try to avoid sin, don't we? We try to avoid anger issues, bitterness, selfishness. We try to ignore hatred. We try to avoid fear. Listen, we're not told to avoid our enemies. Mm. But to have them seated at our banquet table behind us to watch us as we celebrate in our kingdom. One of the issues we have, again, is we want to seat them at our table. You know, some of us like anger. Some of us like anger. Because in some of us, anger makes us feel powerful. There's nothing like getting the last word, is it? Nothing like getting the last word. You're short, you're ugly. You're stupid, you're cross-eyed. Always getting the last word. And that's the worst thing you can ever do, is try to get the last word. Getting the last word is an anger issue. It is. It's an anger issue. You want the authority over that person's life, and that stems from anger. Control. That's what control is about. Do you know why Adolf Hitler wanted to control Germany? He was angry. Read Mein Kampf, my struggle. Read it. He was very angry. More angry that he had family that was of the Jewish heritage that he hated. Therefore, what happened in the Third Reich? Let's kill them all. Let's kill them all. You see what happens with anger, where it takes you? Man, I'd never go the way of Adolf Hitler. Jesse said it earlier. When Hitler died, that spirit, that anger that was with him, just moved on to someone else. That spirit didn't die. Attila the Hun, let's just start naming them. Let's just, Mussolini, Stalin. Let's just, those spirits that inhabited those people just simply left and went somewhere else to find somebody else. That's what anger will do. That's why we've got to confront it. When you confront it, it has to take a back seat at your table. It has to, because here's the thing. When you confront your anger, when you confront that, God says, anger, come. God forces anger to watch you rejoice and celebrate. So we don't see it that way. But that's what God does in your life if you'll learn to celebrate. What do you think that it would look like at your banquet table as you're enjoying your banquet meal and they just stared back at you in defeat? One of the strangest things to watch in any major sports arena is when the team that wins the Super Bowl, the Major League Baseball, the f- basketball, the faces of the loser. Because the team that won is doing what? They're putting on hats and shirts and celebrating and they're all this. Man, the, the party is on. And the loser's like, I gave it my all. And I just lost. What do you think that looks like in the spirit? As God wants you, you understand what happens when you wake up in the morning and you celebrate Jesus Christ in the morning. What happens to anger and fear and doubt and unbelief? It has the look of defeat. We just lost. We gave it our best. What is this? They won. Here's the thing. Let me help you understand something about this feast. I'm going to close here. This banquet, this feast that this kingdom of God is about. Understand this. Jesus is buying. Put your wallet up. Jesus is taking care of the meal. Put your money up. Jesus is covering the tip. Put your money up. There's nothing you have to do but show up. He just says show up. What does that mean? Have a relationship with me. If you'll just show up and have, then you can celebrate with me what's going on. His meal It's a meal filled with abundant love and grace and mercy and peace. That's what his meal is. It's the goodness of God and the mercy of God. That's what he wants you to pull up to the table because that prolongs your life. As a whole, people that are angry throughout their life die much younger than people who aren't. As a whole, people that worry die much younger than people who don't. Yeah, well, see, that affects You're absolutely right. Now, you got it. Worry is, it causes a chemical imbalance. You're absolutely right. Anger causes a chemical imbalance. You're absolutely right. And it kills them. You see what these things do when you don't pull up to the table? Why do I get mad so much when I'm driving on the freeway? I dare say in this house, (laughs) there's at least 10 of us. I better not say us. There's at least 10 people that when they have problems on the freeway, they give the single-finger salute. I can't believe you said that in church. Well, I just said that, single-finger salute, number one. I so We have a problem on the freeway. You know why we have a problem on the freeway with that? Because we didn't pull up to the table this morning. We didn't take a bite of mercy and grace and peace. We didn't take a slice of Oh, <laughs> it work? I got this one guy. Inevitably, every time I see him, just rubs me the wrong way. And so what do I do? I rub him back. You know, we've heard it said before. I've heard it said in the past. You know, if, if I'm rubbing you the wrong way, turn around and I'll rub you. You know what? How about if I just take a bite of grace and mercy and maybe you won't rub on me at all? Most of the time, our issues deal with one thing. Thou has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. And instead of anointing me with oil, Lord, I slid back from the table. My cup doesn't run over. Anointing with oil in the Scripture is a type and shadow all through Scripture of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. It's anointing. When they anointed a king... When they anointed a prophet, when they anointed a priest, they took the horn of oil and poured it over. And the Bible says that when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's the anointing, it's the oil. Lord, anoint me every morning. Pour Holy Ghost on me every morning. Anoint me every day. And let my cup run over. Because I don't want fear to get the best of me. I don't want anger to get the best of me. I want doubt to get the best of me. I don't want worry to get the best of me. God, Feel, pour it till it just flows. Pour that Holy Ghost all over me. You ever prayed that in the morning? I'm going to ask you to do something. Tomorrow morning, write yourself a note. Because if you're like Pastor Don, if you don't write a note, you won't remember it. Write yourself a note. Put it by your alarm clock. Wherever it is you wake up that says, Lord, anoint my head with oil today, run my cup over. Pray that to God and see what happens in your day. See what happens in your day. Here's the thing. You and I exist in a kingdom where our enemies are fear and anxiety, anger and loneliness, worry, all those things. And we can think of a million reasons why we should never pull up to the table. And we can think of a million reasons why we don't belong there I can't sit because my last year I I can't sit at the table because today I and I, I can't sit at the table because I don't know what I'm gonna to do tomorrow. I don't know me, but here's the deal. The Lord knows you way way more than you know yourself. Listen, he's taking care of your past. You can pull up to the table, don't worry about the past. You can pull up to the table. He's taking care of your present. Don't worry about the present. Pull up to the table. He's taking care of it. He's taking care of your future. You don't know your future, but do you know who holds your future? He's taking care of it, and his grace at the table is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. One of the biggest problems Christians have at pulling up to the table as he has prepared for them is they believe in the lies Say that again. One of the biggest problems that Christians have at pulling up to the table that God has prepared for them is they believe in the lies. God doesn't lie, but they believe there's more outside of God than there is inside of God. They believe there's more outside of God than there is inside of God. Lies are constantly being addressed through Scripture. Have you noticed this? The Scripture's full of lies. But it's not biblical, That's lies. It's not God that's lies. It's men and their lies that God's constantly dealing with in their life. If I perform, God's going to love me a little bit more. He's going to love me. If I just perform, if I, if I do the right thing, if I say the right thing, if I do enough of this, God's going to love me a little bit more. It's a lie. It's a lie. He's not going to love you any more, any less than He loves you today. He's not going to love you any more or any less than He loves you right now. That's how much He loves you. Well, if I accomplish this, God's going to have mercy. If I do, if I make this happen I, if, I, if I, listen, the mercy He's going to get, you're not going to get any more mercy than you got today because He's given you all the mercy that He can possibly give you. Pulling up to God's banquet table is not about merit and it's not about performance. It's about redemption. Redemption. God has found the lost coin. He's found the lost sheep. And the lost son has come home. Time to celebrate. Time to celebrate. Stand with me, if you would. Too often we run from our enemies when we should be facing them head on with the lion of the tribe of Judah. A roaring Jesus. I love it when those de- those legions said, uh, we're legion. You know, Jesus didn't put out the 50 questions. He shows up and they said, why are you here to torment us before our time? They knew exactly who he was. And he didn't have, we're legion, we're many. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with us? Uh please. There's some pigs over there. Can we get the pigs? Anything. Don't send us back to that place of torment. Don't. You understand that Peter says that the angels that fell are locked in torment until their time of judgment. You see, their torment's not even their judgment. Their torment is not even their judgment. Their judgment's coming. They'll be judged with the Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast, Satan. They'll all be judged together at the same time for what they cause upon mankind. So they don't even want to go to that tormented place right now. It's bad enough. Instead of celebrating, the people of the city said, Jesus, get out of here. Even though that man had been naked, running around in a graveyard with chains, because they, could, they tried to chain the man up, but he would just break the chains. And when all that was settled and it was celebration time, Jesus, you need to get out of here. And by the way, why don't you take that man with you? Why don't you take Him with you? And oftentimes, that's how we approach the table. Lord, I, I see You invited fear and doubt and fear and unbelief. Uh, Lord, why don't You just kind of leave here? Take the table with You. When our approach should be, Lord, I see You've invited doubt and fear and unbelief doubt fear and unbelief and sorrow all those things hey hey you guys watch this watch this i'm about to take a seat at the table i'm about to get down on some serious celebration i'm about to party like you guys have never seen before you thought you had me you don't have me you thought you controlled me you know so watch sit back and watch this watch what happens oh pastor donna You know why He re- removes all cr- tears in heaven? Because we're too busy crying here. Now, there's nothing wrong with crying, but it's w- when it's with doubt, when it's with fear, when it's with unbelief, when you're crying with them, you're crying at the wrong table. You ever been so happy you cried? Huh? I have so happy that it just came out. Listen, there's some good crying and some good stuff. It's a release of God. I, I don't know what to say, but I, I can act it out for you. I don't know what I don't know how to say it, but I can it can physically I can show you. Christian, quit looking at the final victory down the road and pull up to the table today. Look at the table of victory today. Look at the table of victory today. He said you are more than overcomers. More. Faith is more than fear. Matter of fact, fear, faith casts you out. Perfect faith. You know what? If God didn't invite you, I'd tell you to hit the road. The only reason you're even here in my life still, the only reason you come back and knock on my door is because God's allowing it. At some point, though, you know what's going to happen fear? You know what's going to happen sorrow? You know what's going to happen unbelief? At some point, God's going to say, That's enough. The party's over for you. You can leave now. And there'll be that ultimate. But let's celebrate today. You, do you realize? I think we forget sometimes. We were lost and headed for a devil's hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, the Bible says. It's only enlarged itself because we chose to go that direction. It's the only reason it enlarged itself. But wouldn't that be funny if God cleaned out hell? Would it it bother you if God just cleaned out hell and saved everybody? Oh, it wouldn't bother me a bit. I'm telling you, I don't care anything about Adolf Hitler. Nothing. But it wouldn't bother me a bit if God cleaned out hell and saved him. It wouldn't bother me. I don't like anything about him. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But listen, the greatest victory is to overcome the enemy. What if God... Boy, some points I can feel... Woo, especially you historians. You, I know what he did too. I read history. I know what the man did. I'm glad nobody knows what I've done. It's not written in history for you to read. Oh I'm a little better than Hitler because I didn't do this. Well, really, really. Are you now? Let's get down to some brass tacks here. We ought to be celebrating, or otherwise we would be in that man's shoes right now. We ought to be celebrating, or we would be in his place now. We would be in his situation now. There ought to be a celebration in us. I'm gonna ask you to come to the front. Pastor Don's not going to ask you to shout and jump and dance. Some of y'all, oh, he's going to do something we don't want to do. I don't do that. It's not. I'm not like that. I know. Maybe you need to get like it. Maybe you need to get like it. I've never le. You know, <clears throat> this guy was just lame. No, it's lame. That's, he couldn't walk. This wasn't about the forgiveness of sins, the fact that he's now going to heaven instead of hell. Peter and John just said, Come on, uh, grab my hand, picked up, and he starts walking for the first time in his life. And not only that, he went leaping, praising the Lord, running into the... Listen, we've been born again. We've been born again. Maybe we were lame spiritually, but it wouldn't hurt for some of us to go walking and leaping into the temple. It wouldn't hurt. Some. Oh, here you go. Pastor Don, he's reverting back to old Pentecostalism. Boy, you guys are smart. Not everything we came from was bad. And you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I'm going to say something here. And that's meant, not meant to offend you. It's meant to Bring you to a level. I watched a worship service the other day and was flabbergasted at their worship. Those people were shouting before the Lord, waving their hands. Some of them had this little dance going, and the others had locked in arms. Man, they were going to it. And it was the first Baptist church. Dude, maybe I need to go back. Huh? Yeah? Yeah? You know what happened? Seriously. Do we have to do all that? No. We get to do that. You know what? They figured it out. You know what? We haven't been able to do this for years, and now we get to do this? I can tell you, as a Baptist kid, when I first came into the Pentecost, into the apostolic movement, I every chance I got, I was ready. Because I finally, something I've wanted to do for 24 years, I got to do it in church and it was okay it wasn't to music at a dance hall it wasn't at a club it was in church and god was loving on it you know we we forget how to celebrate we forget what it means to celebrate sometimes i'm wondering you know am i celebrating like i feel and then i have to say yes cuz i'm living on my feeling you don't celebrate on a feeling feeling going to go away tomorrow. You have birthday once a year, right? Celebrate that birthday, right? Do you have the same feeling the next day after? No, as a matter of fact, you're like, "Dude, I'm one more year older. I just realized I'm getting old." Yeah, that feeling goes away quick. That you don't celebrate that for Listen, we don't celebrate God because how we feel. We celebrate him because of what he's done. What he's done. My God has done. So I'm looking around. And I don't know all of your lives, but I know some of your lives. and What God has done is incredible. Where God has brought you from is incredible. What God has changed in your life is incredible. And I'm talking about those that were raised in the church. Y'all thought I was going my direction, didn't you? Raised in the church and see what God's done. Because you know what the hardest people to reach are? You know who they are? They're the church people. I feel like I'm good to go. I've been in church 25 years. I've been coming here all my life. Really? Well, have you had a relationship with you? That doesn't matter. I've been here in church all my life. I'm right. You know, Grandma, I've got to tell you. Here we go. They're the hardest people to reach. But when you see somebody that's been in church all their life, get it. Woo. Because you know what? They already have been introduced. Now all they got to do is show up. The table has been set this morning. God has set the table for you. It's a celebration time. It's a joyous time. Lord, this is your people. This is not my people. This is not Tabernacle of Praise People. Thank you for allowing me to be their pastor and having a building here that we can come to. God, this is your people. What you've done in their lives, Lord, as I look around this building, myself included, what you've done in our lives is just cause for celebration because you prepared a table. You prepared a table. There's joy in this house today because you prepared a table. There's love because you prepared a table. There's peace because you prepared a table. There's rejoicing because you prepared a table. There's celebration. God, I'm asking you right now to anoint us with that oil oil run our cups over run our cups over this morning god help us to realize we're in the kingdom you said the kingdom was like a celebration god help me as pastor to lead your people in celebration in victory we know that you're allowing fear and doubt and unbelief we know you're allowing our enemies to show up at the table, they just can't pull up unless we let them. And we're not letting them this morning. They can sit back and watch as we rejoice at the table of God. We offer this service today as a worship to you. We offer everything that's been said and done, every word that's spoken. We offer every handshake and every hug, every greeting, every song we've sung. Every word we've spoken, we offer it to you as a praise and a worship. As a celebration. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Church, I'm not asking you to do anything but reach out to the Lord right now. I'm going to quit talking. Because I know you're very kind people. And you will listen to me as long as I talk. I'm going to quit talking because I want you to this morning in your way, celebrate. Celebrate to Him what He's done in your life. How He's changed you. How He's made you. How He's filled you. The family He's given you. The wife and husband. The children. All of those things. No matter the situation you feel like you're in right now, those are all the blessings of God in celebration. Celebrate this morning right now in Jesus' name.